0: Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you by themortonforum.com. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Forum. All our panellists appear in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are personal to them. This podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just One Cornetto. Give it-
1: I scream, oh, me, Tali, be not dream.
0: Give me Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto. So, following Morton's heavy defeat last Saturday, we sought redemption, this time travelling up to the northeast to take on high flying Abroth. The Abroth ranks were thinned out ahead of kickoff, the news that a combination of eight members of the plane and backroom staff had been required to self isolate. Um, Abroth still managed to, strong, to name a strong start in 11, but they could only name three outfield subs. Um, Rab Douglas was tasked with taking the team in the absence of Dick Campbell and was also the sub-goalkeeper on the day. Joining me to analyse the game, we have Mr Ewan Boyle. Eubo, how's things?
2: Great, Dean. Thanks for having me on.
0: Great, And Craig Dunning. Craig, thank you for giving me the reins back once again. Delighted to give you them. That's fine by me. And cheers for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr Chris Dodds. Doddsie, how are you? I'm not bad, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. So... Let's go and talk about the starting eleven. Then, so Derek Anderson shuffled the pack, going back to a three-five-two shape. Ledger and McIntyre come in ahead of Strach and Oxanen. What did you make of the the lineup and the change of shape, Ubo?
2: Um Yeah, I, I think certainly we, we had to change something for last week. Um, I, if we played the the same team as we did last week, it would have been just a, a just a shambles, to be honest. Um, I think the the team was fine. I think the team was was, was fine. Um. I would have possibly liked to have seen in, and I'm open to correction, but uh Louis Strapp, was he injured or was that was was he fine?
0: On the bench, I don't know if he'd he picked up knock
2: or, picked up an or whether he was just he was just not not picked. Not included. Well, I, I mean that would really be the only one. him, him for Lithgow and McIntyre inside. Uh I just knew I I don't really think that there is a right answer to, to, to this team. Um so most weeks I'm going to say I, it was fine, but I don't think, other than that strap change, that I, I would really change anything about it. What
0: well, about yourself, Craig. Anything to, to add to that?
3: Yeah, I think you both sort of summed up there with there is no right answer just now. <laughs> certainly. but The back three is not my favourite uh, option with our squad because, in fact, I don't think we've got enough good centre-backs to justify it, but uh, it was certainly a massive improvement on last week. Yeah, there was there's at least a a defensive logic to it. What I would still say is if we're going to be playing a back three, then the way we set up the midfield, I think we, I've said it before about when we're playing a back four as well, we need three bodies in central midfield. If you're wanting to play Gary Oliver ahead of central midfielders, then that needs to be with just one striker and another body in the middle of the park. But yeah, I mean, I think it was it was an improvement on Saturday's lineup anyway. You could at least see what the logic was.
0: Yeah, no, I think you I think the two of you have have kinda of touched on my thoughts there. I think just like you said, Craig, any any shape that we are gonna be deploying going forward, I think it is imperative that there are three midfielders because we don't have enough in those central areas to stop us getting overrun and I think our growth in spells anyway, for all the they probably wouldn't be, be too enamoured with our performance on Saturday. They I think at times they look quite clunky and quite laboured as did we but they definitely won the midfield battle and I don't think it's a massive surprise that in the championship without going in the realms of your back cliches, if you win the midfield battle there's a very very good chance that you're going to win the match so tell you what let's move on to the the first half performance what did you make of it Greg?
3: Well it was it was a competitive game I mean we had half chances I would say though we I didn't really see as taking clear-cut chances. And it is something I've seen commented on, wondering if I'm maybe being a bit harsh, that I've seen quite a lot of our Broth fans seem to have said, oh, I thought Morton were the better team. I did feel that, yeah, we weren't being completely overrun. We were very much in the game. It was even. But I still didn't think we properly looked like scoring. Okay, we've, we've had chances, like, Riley getting in behind the defence. But I've still thought they're broth looked the more likely team to me, like, throughout that first half.
0: Yeah, it was mentioned. A couple of the the guys that we were talking to and and our growth after the game before we went down the road were were very complimentary of of Morton, especially in the first half. And kind of said, "Oh, I thought you guys were the better team. I think we did well. I thought we obviously we we did we competed well. We restricted our growth to to precious little. But yeah, I don't know if we if we created a great deal. I think Riley's done well from the position that he's in to drive forward and and get that shot away. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of any kind of clear cut chances, but no, I think we, when you when you compare the first half performance against Inverness to the first half performance on Saturday, absolutely night and day. And we didn't concede as anywhere near as much territory, but obviously we were far better in taking balls. Yeah, just a, a far more competitive performance, I think. Did you when oh, you go, Yubo. Did you did you oh. see was the fog that bad on your side or something? Gavin
4: really could have had a hat trick by half time. What are you on about?
3: See,
0: actually, on the subject of the fog, I don't remember seeing much of probably the last ten minutes of the second half. That was oh, sorry, was the, the, like that. First, the last ten minutes of the the last ten minutes of the first half. Um, from where we were, I don't know if it was just obviously being behind that goal, but by by half time we couldn't see the the goal or the corner flag at the far end. That's how bad I was. That's how badly Restricted our view Was well, I mean, by the fog I mean
4: mine's wasn't the best Either But I mean You had, you had Gavin Riley Had the header At the near post From hinge's cross Which should have Been on target You had uh, His second one Where it was Played over the top And Henderson Has been caught On the ball And Riley To yeah. be fair to him is out muscled And went clean through and then smacked Big Gats in the face with the ball uh, Gats didn't actually say it with his hand it was with his face and then uh, Is that his face that he said that? It way? was his face yeah and then um, he had the uh, he had the shot across goal as well which Gauzy then ran in and tried to make it look as if he was going to get close to it but it was never like that, and that's not me slating them by any way, shape, or form. It just was never going to get there through no fault of his own. Um, so that was the three chances for that, for there, and then like back to middle. That like, you could see that there was a game plan as far as I was concerned. Like well, it was uh, yeah. play it through them and then hit it up to Gauzy and see what happens
3: there. I thought, yeah, like the the chance where Henderson's got caught under the ball, Riley has done very well, well there, and yeah, I think he, he is a bit unfortunate that you know, the the way Gaston gets a touch on it. But I thought the others could only really be described as half chances. And yeah, that's still more than we've been creating lately. So yeah, you could say that's progress. It was an improved performance. But still I think for all for all that possession I still thought we've only had one real chance for it. Yeah, and, and I think that's
2: kinda a fair point. And even on on that that um one on one, now I think the header was a big chance. Um I, I think there was nobody near him and he, he still couldn't hit a target, but one major issue at, that I saw with that chance um, when he was one-on-one, he did great, he did really well to shoulder off a guy, but his touch right before he was about to pull the trigger, it's, I, I don't know what's happened, and I don't know if there's been a wee hole or whatever, his touch was abysmal, I mean genuinely it was, it, was, it was just terrible, and I think if he actually got a good touch on the ball, he, it's it's good night, you've scored. I mean it's it's as easy as that. But because he couldn't get that touch on it, it made it far more difficult than what it was. But I as you mentioned, that it must have been a good save for Gaston, Gaston if he's saving it with his, with his face.
0: Don't know how much he's known
2: about it, if it's just and off he's cooping. Right. But he, he can't really take credit for it, can he? If it's just out of him. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, Tell I'm, you I'm, what. Can, we, can we just slate you both for his pronunciation of abysmal there though? No, see I I I didn't realise laughing. abysmal <laughs> Aye, I I panicked a bit when I I realised halfway through that there was too much of a gap between my abyss and my mal, so it was longer than it probably should have been. So it's
4: turned into abysmal
0: now, not (laughs) (laughs) abysmal?
2: I didn't realise abysmal
0: had seven syllables. (laughs) Uh, sure. on the wee- Swan Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company, the Inverclyde Bathroom Company, and the Inverclyde Kitchen Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare, and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, visit their showroom at Orangefield Place, or call them on 01475 so, tell you what guys, we will move on to the second half i broth both break the deadlock quite early on Cregan's corner from the right hand side is met by Colin Hamilton Free header, about what about eight yards out say. Um, Yeah, free header, prods the ball, prods the ball past his, his brother Jack and his side go ahead What did you make of the, the second half in general, Yubo?
2: I mean, you could probably go back and, and listen to all the ones that I've been on and it's the same story every time, at I- I just think they just gave up, and I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's fitness. But I don't imagine it'll be down to fitness because they, they look reasonably fit players. Um, it's as though towards the end, certainly, I thought we were just set on for a two-one defeat, and and that's bizarre to say. Um, it goes avoidable. Certainly, I I think that they they could be doing a lot better with them, but no, as I said, they they just keep doing this, giving up and. They're not going to get anywhere if they keep doing this, and even we, a new manager coming in, whoever it may be, I don't know how you can teach somebody to stop gaining up as much as they are. And I think
3: that's a real worry, right? To to go to the first goal specifically, I don't think you can actually point the finger at any individuals there because, see, at the time, uh, I I had no idea, I was like, but looking at it, I was like, right, somebody's just completely lost a man there, like that's clearly been just one individual has let everyone else down. But then watching it back on the highlights, there's something very wrong systemically here because Hamilton starts at the edge of the box. He's in the D and absolutely nobody is picking him up. Like they're all oblivious to him being there. Like there's there's a systemic problem here that we've got absolutely nobody marking that man.
0: (laughs) It's also worth pointing out that it wasn't, a particularly excellent run. It was a straight run. It's not It's not been an excellent bit of individual movement and maybe somebody's just kind of lost their legs and not been able to catch up with them. It's, it was a straight run and just like you said, there, there's no one near him when he finishes it. And I think it probably points, the major thing that I took away from that goal was something that we've kind of seen a few times over the course of the season, that there's a real lack of organisation and almost kind of on-field leadership I think given we were obviously right behind the the goal that it was scored into and I know it sounds daft we were so quiet for a team organising a set piece I don't remember hearing any real organisation coming from the senior players on the park and that isn't really something that a management team can sort out that's something that the players really have to take accountability for because just like you said Craig it wasn't a case of one player losing their man and obviously that happens at set pieces all the time, whether you're punished or not for it. I don't think anyone actually picked Hamilton up at any point during that set piece. And that is that's a massive worry. I agree with you about needing to pick up at
4: corners like we spoke about it quite a bit at length this season, Dean, that um the the defending the set pieces has been a problem and it was very quickly gonna be picked up on by other teams. Um yeah. but to be fair, um could you actually see when the corner
0: was taken? We could because it was on our side.
4: Actually, um, I couldn't see when it was taken. One minute it was, one minute there was something <laughs> happening, the next minute, Colin Hamilton was away celebrating. So, um, I think at that point. My, my thinking was if I've not been able to see the ball coming in there how have the players been able to see it coming in and then the referee did have a decision to make it at half time and I don't think he made the right one to be honest but um, aye, the overall, no, I, the, I the overall I, defender the situation was,
0: wasn't the best but it wasn't aided by the
4: visibility let's put it that way
0: No I think you're, you're possibly right and I think I don't mean this to sound disparaging towards Anderson or the kind of caretakers that we've got in charge at the moment but if you are maybe a- more experienced manager in the, the away dugout or you maybe making a, a slightly more forceful claim for that game to be called off now I don't think it excuses the defending for the corner because from where we were you can see the flight of the ball you can see Hamilton's run and again in those circumstances that's where it's even more crucial that as a team you've got good organisation good communication good leadership and I think over the course of the season you've, you've seen the easiest you've You've seen these issues rear their head again and again, and that's it, it's something that we're really going to need to work hard to improve on if we're going to drag ourselves out of where we are at the moment. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Like, yeah, it's, I can't. If you've, you've given it the coaches input, they
4: then you new, totally. agree on thanks very much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I do think if you're if you're a slightly more experienced manager at half time, I think you would be putting your point across. Um, and absolutely kicking up a bit of a stink because, I I'm genuinely not seeing this because we got beat, I don't think that game should have made it past half-time. I don't, I don't think it should have made it. I don't think it should have
3: made it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, it should have been off at half-time, uh, but if you're looking at that from Anderson's perspective, we've gotten into half-time at nothing each. Play, we're playing better than usual. Our both are missing some players. In that scenario, you actually may be thinking this is playing into our hands here. We don't want this game off at this point in time.
0: Possibly. I think it was it, it it was the fog came in so the fog went from maybe about thirty, thirty five minutes in. It was foggy, but you could still have a clear view of the pitch. I'm more thinking if you're Jack Hamilton who's only it's bear in mind he's only about ten yards further forward than us, I don't think he'd be able to see past the half line. No, because I certainly couldn't I couldn't see the faraway
4: side. I couldn't so from the from the stand behind the dugouts, I couldn't see the, the stand where um the big, the big uh, scaffolding was for where the BBC had filmed.
3: It was quite eerie that way when, when Abro scored that goal because it was you hear this massive cheer and there. you're like all oh, the Abro fans must have moved around here because I had no idea that Abro fans had moved up there and all of a sudden <laughs> that this massive roar. It was like, alright, that's where <laughs> we are then. <laughs> I would
0: love to offer a great deal of insight into the the second two goals but it, it, it was a it was difficult to see it was really difficult to watch the game i'm not just saying that well according that, to, it, was, it was difficult to gain anything substantial from being in the stadium i think having watched the highlights back i think if you were watching on the stream you probably had a marginally better view yeah. of what was going on than being inside the ground
2: yeah. ours, ours was still bad let me add i mean i, I we couldn't see from about 60 it was seriously bad and and uh and, 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 there was a few tweets that went up that was saying this game could be could be in doubt and I thought no wonder because when you're you're watching it on a TV we can't see anything and we've get the benefit of of being actually with a camera and the height and everything we've actually got somewhat of a benefit but then players that are actually level with the ground they couldn't possibly see a thing they couldn't I mean, there's, there's no way they could see it. So, in the sense, to kind of add on to the, that the Dale Anderson might have wanted to get to continue, our pros might have been sitting as well saying, we, we're we doing our bare bones today, we're actually still competing with this team, why would we want it off? So it's maybe a case of, nobody actually wanted it off, as bad as fans and and um and, and the supporters on the ground alike thought, maybe nobody came to an agreement to say, right, we both want this off, get it off. Maybe they both thought, we both both want us on, so just keep it on.
4: Well, apparently Dale Anderson didn't even know that the ref was out checking it. So I I, I don't know if I, I, was... I don't know if I want to believe that or not. That's that's that could be my naivety coming back into things. But um, I don't I, I I think you both could be onto something there because it was the, it was only the referee coming out to with his assistants to see
0: if they could see each other for the yeah. the two sides. That was it. Because we saw that, I remember standing talking to, to Craig and the other guys that we were up at the game with and I was convinced when you could see the refs doing the kind of visibility check, I was stunned when the second half kicked off because when they were doing the visibility checks, I remember just going, no, this is done. There's no chance this is kicking off again. I I didn't see how it could possibly kick off again and I think, even now, I, I really don't think it should have went ahead. But, like, as you both says, there's... There's obviously gamesmanship to to be considered, and there's possibly reasons that that both teams want to be want to be carrying on, even if the conditions aren't ideal.
3: Yeah, I, I would say as well. Yeah, because I would equalise. I genuinely only realised we'd scored because of players further up the park celebrating it and running towards it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had no idea. But, uh, yeah, ha- having watched it back on the highlights, and Abro's highlights, you, know, you still can't really see what happened. But uh, Morton's no. highlights from the main stand, obviously they're on that touchline, you do see what happened. And uh got to say, that's absolutely terrific play by Oogwoo. And great ball in from Hines as well. So, yeah, I think some credit's got to go to Hines because we have given him some criticism on here. And... Yeah, discuss whether he's good, good enough or not. But yeah. yeah, that that's an excellent ball he's put put in there.
4: Yeah, no, it well, was. It's, it's uh, good that uh, I yeah. hold up play for you as well, by the way. Ah, uh, uh,
3: was quality. Uh,
4: Holding off the tour and back killing it. Hines putting across. According to Gary Oliver, Gavin Riley tried getting out of the near post and missed it. And she's landed to his feet. They couldn't.
0: I missed it realistically. But yeah, um, I had only I watched her both highlights and assumed that they would both have been working off the same camera, so I didn't even bother checking Morton's highlights. No, Jackie Morton- was there.
3: Ah I off from the main stand so you could actually uh, you can actually see what happened for for that first one Clyde Eats is Inverclyde's very own food ordering app for
0: locals, by locals. They showcase the finest food available in the local area. They feature an extensive array of Inverclyde's most popular restaurants, takeaways and desserts. The Clyde Eats app is available to download from Google Play and the App Store now. For more information, visit their website, ClydeEats.co.uk, or search for Clyde Eats on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Clyde takeaway the local way. Alright guys, so... We'll move on from from Saturday's game. I think we'll we'll kind of move on to to managerial candidates. So just looking at the the names that have been have been linked heavily with the job on social media and in print media over the course of the week. So the three that I really wanted to to speak about were Rukovic, Young, and Emery. Just to to kind of canvass your thoughts on all three of them, you Um
2: I'm all in for Emery. I'm 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 all in for Emery. I'm a big fan of that. Uh I understand as Dunnings alluded to, um there's a great deal of risk and at this point in the season is it worth the risk? I I, I think it is. I, I really do. I think I think it's a it's a great appointment. Darn young, um fine ma'am. I, I don't really I think I'd be sorta underwhelmed of if he came in a way. But at the same time, I totally acknowledge that the benefits that you can reap from from the the long term in the sense that I do think he would be probably here for for a while if he if he was taking that job and uh I've I, I no interest in to be honest um I absolutely really don't want him um and there possibly would be a spanner in the works today uh with a great man departing here but no I don't think um as much as I'd massively back him, I think Emory's a man for it. On you go,
3: Craig. I'm not even gonna dignify the suggestion you both <laughs> made about a manager who's departed the there with a response. <laughs> 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 you you know that you know that gif of Charlie Adams shouting at shouting at Paul McGowan? Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's a
0: very niche reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what a <laughs> fucking screamer I shout by the way. <laughs> <That's
2: fucking> <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs> Gonna have to tweet this out with a link to this episode now. Once I'll it goes out, an explanation. Though. I mean I, you can't just let out Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I'll tweet that out when we share this episode, and you can see then. <laughs> yeah, to, to actually go through the the serious shouts. So yeah, I agree. It's a for me. Uh, you know, assuming there's not someone left field that we've heard nothing about uh, who's been interviewed. Yeah, uh, I've said before that. I think there's generally a time and place to take a gamble on a first time manager. And when you're sitting bottom of the league halfway through halfway through a season where you don't know if all that much work can be done in January, probably not the best time for a first time manager. But there are things that appeal to me about Imre. I think rather than being the sort of first time manager where it's just a sort of senior pro who's already at a club looking to step up, or just a guy who's happened to find himself out of work, firing on applications everywhere. He's a guy who seems to really want to be a manager and you know the fact he's sitting there as an assistant manager, you know, first team coach at a, at a top flight club and is is coming up and applied for the Morton job, he's a guy who seems to be putting thought into no, I, I've wanted to step up, up into management, this is the club I want to do it with. It's not just an afterthought like, oh, I'll give this a go and see how it goes. Looking at the other names, Darren Young, I think, like, there is an argument to be made for Young that Managers need to have a chance to fail, and he has had great success before in his career. He massively overachieved the Albion Rovers, won the League 2 title, didn't just keep them in League 1, but only missed out on the promotion playoffs by two points with them. Then at East Fife, he, he punched at East Fife's weight, almost overachieved by making promotion playoffs, but had late collapses. And then this season was just a bit of a disaster with poor recruitment. So there's something to be said for Young, but ultimately... When a manager gets sacked with this club, bottom of League One, you don't expect them to then step up with a mission after it. And no. as, as for Rutkovic, absolutely not. Um, the the thing that I think this manager needs to do, more than anything else, is overhaul the attitude of this squad. Because I think it's something we've gone into many times, and yeah, we probably shouldn't retread it in detail. But you know, regardless of your thoughts and the right, rights and wrongs of it, there clearly is a bit of a toxic atmosphere around the club. There clearly is a lot of resentment between the players and fans. Regardless of why that is, if you think the players entitled to or not, I think that a manager needs to get in the players' heads and say, you're not here because of what anyone else outside this wrestling room has done or said. This is your responsibility to get out of it. You got here. You get out of it. Dougie Emery, I don't think, will accept a sort of plucky little Morton attitude. Whereas Kevin Rukovic, if you look at his statement, you could go on on Albion's website, they... They posted Brukovic's statement when he resigned. It absolutely reeks of plucky little sterling. It's, oh, but look at everyone else's budget in the league. Look at all the injuries we had. Oh, I didn't feel the board were backing me enough. It was only a wee blip when we went six games without a win and lost four in a row, including to a Beef team who hadn't won in 12. That's <laughs> that's the last attitude that we need in a manager yeah. just now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think if that was the kind of general point that I wanted to touch on with Emery. Now, bear in mind, we've... It was obviously dissected at length last week and we all could have said we're peace. Bear in mind, Doogie Emery left Capelo and Doogie Emory played in the worst Morton squad I've witnessed in my, my time following the club. Probably the worst Morton side in a generation and left and he's universally adored by the Morton fan base. Now, you compare that to, say we go down this year, how many of the players in our current squad would we think twice about? I don't think there'd be any and I don't think that Dougie Emery's reputation among the Morton fans is just because of the goal at Parkhead. Obviously, that's the go-to goal that we all talk about. and Obviously, it was it was one of the best nights that we've had following the club. But I think Emery's attitude throughout that season really shone through. He was our top goal scorer. And don't get me wrong, you could see that Emery was desperate for us not to go down that year. And he, his attitude and work rate, if he as a manager can transfer that into the players and get that little bit extra out of them and maybe heal the rupture then I think that would be a, a massive step in the right direction because I think just like you said Craig I think that obviously looking out with the the realms of the league table I think that is the biggest challenge that he's going to face or any manager's going to face in Capelo in the next say six months I can only echo what you've said for all three years
4: the, 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 the person that
0: MCT bring
4: it Bring in, bring in sorry, um, is it's such a massive appointment. Like I've already made the point. We're a year on for hoppy leaving and we're in the exact same place, but there's even more discontent between the terraces and the boardroom. So you need to get such a fine balance of getting a an appointment that will get the fans back on side, as well as giving the team a a rocket. Not so much a rocket, because there's good players in there. We all know there's good players in there. Um and like getting them playing and getting them confident like, actually having a bit of confidence <laughs> about themselves because no matter how much you say I can hear Dunning absolutely fuming and fizzing with me saying that lack of confidence but <laughs> uh, I can you know, like, the players are so bereft of confidence it's unreal like, if there was a team full of confidence there they would have been trying to kick the ball away for the goal at the first opportunity and that goal on Saturday the second one for Dowds could have probably been avoided Um, but I, they need to get it so right, and obviously, from my point of view, from doing a wee bit of asking around, from from sources close to people who are, who are mentioned and stuff like that. Dougie Imrie obviously um, seems like a really good a really good fit. He's he's been tasked with yeah. head head of youth at Livingston, and he's been a youth coach at Hamilton. Um, obviously that ties in with MCT's philosophy because they they have obviously said that they're quite keen to uh, keep the link between the Youth Academy and the first team there and reduce the gap and see more coming through and uh, hopefully, see the club is use that as a selling point for the club for younger players coming in and saying, look, if you come here, to your, learn your trade for a couple of years, you'll get first team games. So Dougie, I, I think the game will be. Um, I, I don't think he'd be afraid in, in bringing youth in if they were if they were good enough. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah,
5: absolutely.
4: And just for the type of player that he was. Um, he, would, he seems as if he would. he not take any shit. Let's put it that way. From from players, like, no saying that there's any issues in the squad or anything like that. With, in regards to stuff like that, but uh, just say there was. I mean, probably the attitude or whatever. I don't think he'd take any shit, and especially especially if he wanted to bring in somebody like Darian McKinnon as a as a coach and alongside him or something like that. You know what I mean? Those two, they know what hard work's about. They know how to work hard and uh and, and fight for every point to get to where they want to be. Um, so in terms of that, I think they, I think, I think they'd be a, a perfect fit for the club. Whether the whether the uh, the board see that as a as another thing, I think the I think the problem lies a lot bigger than just getting the best out of the best out of the squad. Um, but I mean, as a as a left field person who's not been mentioned for the role, I mean uh, the work that and Boyle's done it. Uh, Interclyde has been yeah, absolutely yeah. has been absolutely outstanding. So I, I mean,
0: do you want to tell them, Yubo, if you've been approached or not? Like, I, I'd like a Yubo. If you're going to start talking about Interclyde, I'm calling this podcast now. I yeah, <laughs> <I'd> <laughs>
2: personally, personally rule myself out. I'm sorry. Um, but can I like part aside on this one? And he's going to be angry, but I'm going. I'm going to ask it genuinely. We talked about no. this. No, no, we t- no, no, no. Duff, Man, right, as much no. as you know, no, not No, no. no. You t- no. <laughs>
0: no, no, yeah. no. I do with an iron fist. No, you No, no. as manager. You're in a yellow car. I, I,
3: I, just, just, sorry, Yubo, Can I just come in? But before you go off on one, I'll just start by asking you the question: <laughs> Do you think Air are likely to appoint Gus McPherson?
2: Wouldn't I honestly? Wouldn't be surprised. But no, that's it was between him and it was between him and Hoppy, right? Anyway. A genuine one here. We've been calling out for expertise on, on the board and in and, and, and the backroom staff and stuff. You talk about sporting director, is there anything silly about bringing Jim Duffy in as a sporting director or something of the sorts, director of FITBA, whatever it needs to be? Yeah. I think we should be flinging whatever money we've got left, probably getting the money left, mind you, with the things we've been doing in the last couple of, of, of weeks. But anyway, I think personally for me, If you've got the chance to, I don't think he would come back, if you've got the chance to get a Duffman back at Capelo, whether it be a sporting director, whether it be a director of football, whatever the terms are nowadays, to have Jim Duffy back at Morton, I don't really see what any silly choice would be in doing that, particularly if it's going to be Sir Douglas that's that's taking over. I I think that could be perfect. I think... I am absolutely not against that, and I think I've I've been banging the drum
0: for a a sporting director and in, inside capital for long enough now that no, if you if you offered me Duffy, it was it was one of the names that we mentioned around about the the turn of the season in terms of who we would like to see in that role. I absolutely wouldn't be against it, but I do think that we need to use this appointment as a catalyst to just like Craig said to rid ourselves of this kind of plucky little Morton and all, we can't be expected to do any better and see that kind of attitude. I really think that we need a complete sea change in the culture of the club away from that. And the one issue that I would have with Duffy is that Duffy was very much of the narrative of plucky wee Morton. And it might not be the biggest thing in the world, but I think given everything that's going on at the minute, I think when fans are looking for something when fans are looking just for a little bit of energy a little bit of positivity that would maybe be a hurdle that we would need to climb but I think you're absolutely right Yubo and I've said it often enough on here if we are going to bring in Doogie Emery that is going to be an appointment that is going to get the club some credit strike where the iron's hot get a football and structure in place above the dugout that's going to give both the manager and the guys in the boardroom the expertise and the leg up that it's quite obvious that they need so I think this is the time to do it, whether it's Duffy or, or whoever else. I think this is the time where we have to look and say, do you know what, we cannot afford, and I mean that both in terms of finances and in terms of everything else that's going to go on with, with MCT at the moment, if we're relegated or whatever happens in the rest of the season, the MCT cannot afford to get another managerial appointment wrong. And that's where they have to look at okay, how can we improve the amount of football and knowledge in the boardroom? How can we improve the club structure? And I think, I've said it time and time again on here, a good sporting director appointment heals pretty much everything inside the club that is wrong at the moment. And I think that that this is the time to do it because we absolutely cannot afford to have our pants pulled down again like we did with Gus and we're left with this mammoth task of getting rid of him and having to fund it. So, yeah, I would say this is the time to... To appoint a sporting director and really make the big, big change that's going to help win fans back on side with the club.
2: Yes, and also the 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 other issue that you face is obviously, uh, as I've said, I always thought Duffy said this unnecessary hate towards him. You're going in naturally. That was a wee dig at you, here, Dunning, if you don't mind. But anyway, um, no, the w- when he when he comes into this club, particularly Morton, there are going to be fans with preconceived views which will not change. And it's as simple as it gets. It, it's it's what happens that there will be fans. I don't actually
0: think that. I, you both. I think if I think if I think if Duffy was announced, well, that for you. see if they announced but. side by side, MDN in as a head coach and Duffy in as a sporting director. I don't actually think you would have
2: fans moaning. I really don't. I do. Um, I, 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 I certainly wouldn't. I've very much got to disagree with. You. I, I think we forget how how badly Duffy was, was I don't mean badly treated. I mean the the abuse towards the end of Jim Duffy. It's it's almost it's kinda like what's happening with Muirhead and Lithgow just now. There's relationships that are just broken forever now. And there is there is fans that will never back Lithgow in in Muirhead because of what's happened with um their their reactions to the crowds etc. But if you, however you agree or disagree, that was very much the case with Duffy T. There will be fans if Duffy's get anywhere near Kaplow, which I totally disagree with. and I think it's a a a shambles that it's even the case. But there will be fans that will totally disagree with that appointment, and I, I don't see. I could not pin. I, the, I, I think Duffy. outside of a handful
0: of see outside a handful of moon units in just outside a handful of contrary arseholes. And I mean that, a handful. I, re- I honestly don't think that would be the case at all. I think Duffy Duffy got correctly criticised for two collapses in a row at the tail end of seasons where we should have finished far stronger than we did. Out with that, the only time I remember Duffy getting serious criticism was the midweek game at Livy where we've rotated and rested players to then go to Parkhead at the weekend in the Scottish Cup. And I think the Livingston game should have been a full strength team. And even if it meant going to Parkhead and maybe being tired or having to rotate at Parkhead, where we were in the league in that season, the Livy game was a far bigger game. And I think Duffy got his line-up for those two games really quite wrong. I think, I honestly don't think there would be stick for Duffy if he came in. I think he's exactly the sort of expertise that we're we're screaming out for inside the club at the moment.
3: Yeah, if, if Duffy was to be appointed as manager, then yeah, the reaction that you both described would be exactly what would happen. That would not go down well at all. But no. I, as sporting director or a similar role, I, I genuinely don't think it, it would because speaking as someone who was a big Duffy critic, for me, you know, does that put us in a better place than we are today if we have Jim Duffy in, as a, in some sort of sporting director type role? Yes, it absolutely yeah. does. And yeah. also, it's sort of bizarre when you're talking about it leading to Jim Duffy sacking. but again, look at Air United. So Dave Smith took over as air as chairman in I think it was here late twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty. And this far down the line has decided, look, it's turned out I don't have the football and expertise I need to make these kind of decisions. He's openly said that in a joint interview with Graham Matthew now. So he goes out, he appoints a sporting director, who now he's turned over control of the football inside of the club too. That's exactly what Morton should be doing because we don't have an actual it's football decision on the board. Making. Exactly.
4: No. <laughs> even if it's even if it's like even if the money's not there for spending the wage on getting a sporting director in, because let's be honest, a sporting director is going to a, a sporting director isn't going to come cheap, and Graham Matthews isn't going to have gone to air for pennies, is he? Let's be honest. So even if it's getting no. somebody in on a consultancy basis for the first, bit, maybe somebody like Derek McInnes or. Uh, or Jim Duffy,
0: who would be happy to just come in and just offer advice to the board. Would they be open to doing that? See if it's an ad hoc if it's an ad hoc arrangement or if it's part-time, the actual logistics of it, just I don't really care how we make it work, but I really don't think that we've got an option.
4: There is savvy and, ways. There is savvy ways of doing it. Like, there, yeah. And
0: that's that's not me going
4: and slating anyone before. Anybody thinks that. I just think there is a very savvy way that you can go about this that you're not having to throw money that you don't have out the window because you can go and focus that money elsewhere on bringing your manager in and giving them a bit of money in January and getting somebody who's got an affiliation with the club and all the area to come in and help out because that's what this whole yep. community ownership thing is all about, isn't it? Is getting everybody in and immersed and, and involved. Not saying go and get Ewan Boyle as a uh, sporting director, but just somebody who's got a bit of football knowledge there. You, you know what I mean? It's not just bring someone in off the street, even somebody like Neil McCann, who's got a bit of football in this speaks a good game and the punditry. No saying bring him in as manager, despite the fact I would have liked it two weeks ago. But even if he was to come in and help out just saying, Oh no, you could be doing this, or you could be doing that that'd be like that'd just be fantastic.
0: It'd be it makes sense. Yeah, be a step in the right direction, yeah. It makes total sense. All right, guys, so we will leave it there. So you both, Craig, Chris, thank you all for joining us. It's been Excellent to have a record where we were talking about goals that we didn't see and gifts that no one knows exist.
2: And Jim <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, so stay tuned because after the break we have an interview with two of the crew behind the scenes at Tone TV. Titan Spiced Rum is inspired by Clydeside Heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. Their carefully selected aged rums are infused with Scottish raspberries, golden syrup and exotic spices. Titan Spice Rum is blended with the finest Caledonian water whilst retaining its spiritual Caribbean DNA. Head to titanspiritsltd.com and get your bottle today. Miniatures and Christmas gift sets are also available. So something a little bit different now guys, during the lockdowns in the last year or so the only way for us to watch Morton was through Tone TV. we're all very f- familiar with the face of Tone TV, Mr Andy Ritchie, tremendous insight, tremendous patter, we thought it was time to speak to some of the unsung heroes behind the scenes, so I'd like to welcome Mark Kelly and Craig Martin to the show, both of which help out with Tone TV behind the scenes, Mark how are you? Very well Dean, how yourself? Oh, very well thank you, we're obviously recording this ahead of the broth game, so i uh, might have to revise that statement come Monday's record. And Craig Martin, Craig, how are you? Uh, Honoured to be on here
1: and flying the flag for old farts everywhere. (laughs) I'm not
0: included in that old farts just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, guys, so how weird was it being inside Capelo? Obviously, during the lockdown, none of us are really used to having closed-door games. How weird was it having competitive games behind closed doors and kind I have an experience all that? Aye,
1: that that was very strange. Um, see, being able to hear the the players' shouts and the manager shouts. Um, we're not a soul in the stadium. That took a while to get used to. Um, I mean, I'm thinking back at like the the air game. You know, when we were we back and won back 2 See if that had a crowd in. What an atmosphere that game deserved. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was it was quite surreal. It's just great to have the fans back again.
5: What I would say was it. Uh, you knew you were in a privileged position, though, because we still had a routine where we were going down to the club. And although it was slightly odd, you know, a couple of dozen people in that stand and in the dugout shouting things, there was still a little bit of what you would expect at a football match, you know, shouting and stuff. But it was just, we were lucky to be in there uh, when everybody
0: else, um, you know, had to watch online. <laughs> were there any kind of manager shouts or shouts from players or things that kind of caught you off guard, something that you weren't expecting?
1: From my point of view I'm pretty much always too busy to really pick up on anything that's kind of happening outside the the stream so Craig might be a wee bit different he might have picked up on things but I was always panicking about making sure we could get the replays and and stuff out on time as well. Yeah you are a bit wrapped up in what you're doing uh, rather than the game sometimes but
5: my overriding memory is when Hoppy was still there. Uh, it was just Moopsie, Mopsy Whatever Robbie Murray was it wasn't doing, sometimes it was 90 minutes of just Mopsy <laughs> I
0: think Jim, Jim Duffy was quite, a. Uh, his shout was Ricky, wasn't it? That's right. I remember a good few <laughs> games where Big Ricky would just, it, it seemed to be the same thing. I think it's it tends to be something that managers just do. There's, there tends to be a player that, whatever they do, right or wrong, do, they don't seem to be able to escape the attentions of the manager.
1: Yeah. The one thing that benefited us from a production side of things, we know fans in, was obviously each week, you know, or every home game, we, we try to up the production level that was going out. Know, so we eventually managed to go with the three cameras. Because there was no fans in to yep. avoid the, the famous capital pillars, which people notice now that the fans are back in, we've had to kind of rain back in, which is is it, it, it should be you know fans come first that can get in the stadium, but it was just wee things like that, I suppose. In hindsight, looking back, that that did help us from a production point of view, you know, having the kind of run of the stadium at that point. Yeah, having more than one camera um,
5: let you have the chance of wee moments. So Jackie who's the main cameraman who still does it now and he's been filming Morton forever, it seems. Um, He would concentrate on the action. And because I was then second camera, uh, again, back to the air game, it was Halloween, so I could zoom in on Freddie Mercury, who was walking around the cow shed at the time, (laughs) or the rain coming through the floodlights. So that helped kind of, you know, enhance the product a wee bit.
1: I mean, I think... I, I was just going to say, one thing that we've, we've always kind of strived to do though is just make the product better, you know, for every game, um, you know, because a lot of people don't know, <clears throat> but I mean, oh, well, everybody will know the very, very first Ton TV stream was a, was a disaster, let's be honest, Um and that was basically down to the main laptop failing, and then the backup laptop when they got, you know, trying to get that back up and running, it was a simple case of not fixing the ratio for the screen. So this is why to a lot of people they thought Jackie was zooming in and shaking a lot. Um and I know Jackie got a bit of heat online for that, which it did upset him. Um but when we put the replays out, you could see what Jackie filmed was was fine. Um so that was just to give a wee bit of context to what actually happened in terms of that that first live stream. So it was a, a lesson learned. And that's when me and Craig got involved um after the kind of the first one didn't go as, as it should have. Um you know kind of we get asked to, to come and help with the kind of expertise that we have and we've been doing it ever since and absolutely love it. And as Craig said, it's a privilege to, to help your, your club that you've supported since being a wee boy.
5: The one thing that did come out of that first oh. one, though, is the way Jackie turned the camera around and you saw Jerry and Andy up the back of the stand. And that's something I always really liked about the programme before and at, at half time when you had the chance to do that because it gave it a, 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 you know, just a wee feel of Soccer Saturday where you see the game in the back, you know, they're, they're up in the stands and you get to see who's talking. Uh, especially because I think Jerry and Andy, I think people were surprised how good the commentary was. I was, you know, I I didn't know much about Jerry. Obviously, I knew Andy, but I didn't know what he'd be like as a summariser. And I think they were both from the off. It was the one quality thing, um, you know, till we got the pictures sorted and the cameras sorted. They were always really, really good.
0: They definitely bounce off each other well. And I think having watched, obviously, having watched every club stream at some point last season anyway before crowds were allowed back in, I think it's safe to say that tone tv is up there in terms of production value entertainment the quality of the commentary it's definitely up there with with the best streaming packages in the championship and i think that's credit to obviously you guys and and everyone else involved i was just wondering see for for those of us who are complete novices with that kind of side of running a live stream could you give us a kind of quick rundown of just how much goes into that
1: yeah, well, we've obviously we've got our main main laptop which we're running um, OBS, um, which is what puts out the the kind of stream. We're um, on main kind of server as Amazon Video Service, um, which is a great platform, um, you know, for stability as well. But you've got all your kind of basics. You've got your sound kit. You've got your wiring. Um, we've got our Stream Deck, which is for replays. We've got our Vision Mixer, which is when we were able to select the different cameras. So the whole setup process is probably about. 45 minutes, maybe to an hour, to get everything up, and then you've got your testing. And then, obviously, originally with the cameras, we used to just run HDMI cables down. Um, But then, Craig, I think, would probably be better talking about the next bit when we, we went wireless with the cameras as well.
5: Yeah, well, we were stretching HDMI cables stop working when they're a certain length. So when we were stretched out with the three cameras, um, you know, one down either end as well, we had we got these wireless um, transmitters. Because uh, we thought at one point, starting off maybe at the cow shed uh, and using them, but we after the first kind of disaster. It was all about trying to avoid risk. And no matter what, if people were paying 10, 12, 14 quid to make sure that they could see the game. Um but you know there, there was a team that was, you know, Patrick and Alan and other people, you know, they'll recognise their names Colin Hayden's there now. You know, there's quite an army of volunteers that came down. And the one thing that happened was the, the first week where we all went down to help out and sort of set up and offer our services to get this thing going, only Mark Mark was the only one who didn't say right, well, I'm only going to do this for a couple of weeks till it's up and running, and then we'll leave them to it. But then everybody stayed all season, last season. They just got into it. It was just a good atmosphere. And, um, you know, helping bring in money when there wasn't any money going around, there's COVID and all that, you know, I mean, it, it felt good. And some of the bigger games, you know, there's four-figure people watching. And if they're paying 14 quid ahead head or the season ticket, people deserve to see their games. You know, that's a lot of money coming in.
0: Perfect. And I mean just what you guys are saying there about the kind of intricacy of the setup. I the first time I actually met Mark was on the our our first league game of the season with the women's team. We ran a stream from Capolo for the Renfrewshire Derby and I ended up getting getting dragged in to do commentary on it. And I think you you could see just the amount of work and the quality of work that was going on in the background to to give us the product, and just like I said, I think it's absolutely credit to you. I think, Mark, you were recently on commentary for the, the Comarnock game. How did you find that? Oh, what an
1: experience. Honestly, that's, that's dream stuff, That especially being able to do it with, with Andy Ritchie, the, the King of Capital himself. Um aye, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, whether MD enjoyed listening to me is a total different matter, but I never got <laughs> spotted online or anything, so I must have been not too bad. But, um, <laughs> Aye, uh, it was good. Look,
0: I, I, I'm feeling a bit shortchanged. You got Andy Ritchie, and I get landed with Chris Dodds. <laughs> I won't have a word <laughs> against Dodgy. What am I? I know another legend. <laughs> eh? Another legend. Um, but no, honestly, that was
1: that was brilliant. And on the back of that, actually, um, I'm travelling to our Broth on Saturday to do the co-commentary with their team as well. So I've getting another yeah, wee, I think- another wee shot at it.
0: No, oh, brilliant. And I think just to get around us off, obviously. Ton TV is going to be in place for the rest of this season anyway. What do you guys see as the future of Tone TV? Do you think, is there a is there a platform to make this a, a permanent fixture in, in with the club for, for fans obviously out with the UK to tune into from next season onwards?
1: Well, I think now that we've, we've proven that we can do it with the fans back in and we can do it safely, um, I don't see why we can't keep doing this You know, for fans that are, you know, Abroad, or depending on what the rulings are, you know, fans that maybe can't make it to the game, you know, because we don't know how long this, you know, COVID's going to be kicking about and self isolation and stuff. But at the end of the day, if it's bringing money into the club and we're allowed to do it, I don't see why not. I think a lot of it is down to
5: uh, Mark's enthusiasm and if it can keep going. Um, I mean, I said I wouldn't embarrass him on this, but you know, he's a fantastic asset for the club and I would trust him to keep going. and. Um, I think a lot of us have probably watched a lot more away games, us that don't travel. Um, you know, so everybody enjoys watching the streams. I think as a chance to follow the clubs, and uh, there's a there's a good wee set up there. I'm not as involved um, as I was last season um, because it's just the one camera now. But I think you know Jackie would quite happily swim the Clyde with his camera on his back to get up and keep doing it. <laughs> and uh, Mark runs a good ship. And especially if Jerry and Andy, you know, if Andy Richie's there, I think you'll always have people tuning in and it's definitely worthwhile keeping going. I know there's a lot of ins and outs of does it keep people away if you keep it, you know, the 3pm ban in this country and stuff like that. But
1: uh, it's a really good band of volunteers that they've got now there. And um, I think it's I think it's great for the club. Sorry, Dean, but I just think we need to get a special, no, special shout out to Alan and Patrick, who were the kind of brains behind it on TV. They, they were the ones that got it started, you know, from scratch. Um, You know, Patrick especially. We, we used to have to get the replays directly from the camera, which was a bit of a nightmare for Craig. We'd have to kind of let signal down and he'd give me the, the kind of go ahead when he was ready to play it so we could switch to his camera. But now we've got the, um, the stream deck, which basically records it straight onto the laptop and we can go in and, you know, grab it and put it out in the live stream straight away. So when, not only them, but everybody that's, that's volunteered. We've got Jackie, um, we've got Hayden there now. We had Colin, uh, Callum, as well. Obviously, the camera work that, that Craig does is, is top notch. Um, but the whole team together just do it for a love of Morton. You know, we're all Morton fans at the end of the day. Um, and as long as we can put out a good product which makes Morton look good, then we'll we'll keep doing it for as long as we can.
0: No, perfect. And I think. Having spent, we're obviously we touched on this a little bit before we come on here, but having spent some time abroad, if there was something like this offered when I was abroad, and I we I would have been more than happy to pay probably more than the stream cost at the moment to watch it. When you're when you're abroad and you're trying to kind of follow three o'clock kickoffs, you're making a of usual setup was watching soccer Saturday on mute and listening to to kind of open all mics, and you think you compare that to. Such a quality stream that you could get watching the full game, replays, highlights, good commentary. It's, yeah, I would, I would certainly like to see it continue. Past this season, and I think we all hope that it's just the the logistics the logistics fall into place to make that happen.
1: Right. So I was just going to say, see, like, so the the graphics and stuff as well that go up, you know, in the team sheets. I mean, we we need to say a massive thank you to Gareth as well. Um, I know know Gareth works for the club now. He does, you know, all the the updates and stuff. But the quality of his work is outstanding. Um, all the graphics and stuff that he makes, you know, the the team lineups when you put it out in the stream, it just looks. Perfect. So I would personally just want to say a, a massive thank you to Gareth because me and him work quite closely on a, a match day and you know getting the interviews from the managers, the interview for the players, you know, he's he's up and getting them to me sharp so that we can get the, the stream off and running. So he is a massive asset to the, the club as Gareth.
5: Yeah, I'd like to second that yeah. it's been a, a joy working with Gareth and it's been um it's a thrill. I mean, you know, I'm I'm fifty in March and it's funny the things that come up online, um, I saw a thing today. It was 42 years ago exactly today. I turned up with about seven thousand other people to cap below, uh because we thought we were going to get to see George Best play for Hibs, but he didn't turn up. He was <laughs> uh, hung over somewhere and <laughs> failed to show. And but the seven year old, <laughs> the seven year old me is still in there and still excited that I'm kind of having something to do, sort of with sports television alongside Andy Ritchie, who scored a goal that day. Um, But everybody that's been involved, yeah, I mean, everybody went on a steep learning curve and really kind of, you know, and Gareth's a good shout for that, you know, rely a lot on Gareth and his graphics and stuff are good. Um, And yeah, it would be great to think that there's always going to be enough of a pool of talented people to keep it going for those abroad or
0: whoever you're allowed to to broadcast to. Brilliant, guys. All right, that was a really fascinating insight into something that I think most fans don't claim to know a great deal about. So. Craig, Mark, thank you very much for joining us and I think very well done for all your endeavours in the last year or so. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us on, Dean. It been a pleasure. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion, and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. <laughs>